0: Hello, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Monday the 15th of June. The purpose of this bulletin as ever is simple. I'm trying to keep you abreast of what's happening in unexpectedly positive or negative ways in the data coming out from the world's major economies and I'm doing it because I can't see that anyone else really is. The day produced nine surprises and five shocks, a positive result, And the Coldwater Global Shocks and Surprises Index remains modestly positive as it has for the last 10 days, with Asia and the US positive, but Europe still pretty sharply negative. In the US, there was little economic data with only the Empire State Manufacturing Index for June reporting. Because it was so much better than expected, the index rose 48.3 points to minus 0.2, which was the least bad since February, It is easy to think this is evidence of a recovery underway. It is not. It merely records that the situation in June remains little changed from that in May. That said, expectations six months out clearly are improving, rising 27.4 points to 56.5, with expectations for CapEx up 11.2 points to 3.1, and expectations for payrolls up 8.6 points to 19. If that transpires there is a recovery. It's worth mentioning that the survey was conducted between June 2nd and June 9th which means it is contemporaneous with the Black Lives Matter civil unrest which was underway in New York by June 1st. China released its core economic data for May and by and large it painted a modest and internally consistent picture of the economy maintaining a softly recovering trajectory. So industrial production rose 4.4% year on year and electricity production rose 4.3%. Retail sales fell 2.8% but the monthly movement was one and a half standard deviations above seasonal trends, strip out a 3.5% rise in car sales and sales ex-cars fell 3.5%. but. That includes an 18.9% year-on-year fall in restaurant sales, hardly surprising that, and the sales of goods fell only 0.8%. Urban asset investment fell 6.3% in the first five months, a recovery from the 10.3% fall in January to April. That improvement was largely the work of government spending, since private investment fell 9.6% year-to-date. That public spending triangulates with the jump in May's government bond issues, which we commented on last week. The B 1.14 trillion worth of government bond issues accounted for 73% of May's total 3.17 trillion in new aggregate financing. Government spending, in other words, forms a central part of China's recovery. What one looks for in China's data is internal coherence do the various data points triangulate with each other in a way which seems plausible? This month they do, particularly where the industrial economy is concerned. Industrial production up 4.4% with electricity production up 4.3% seems clear enough, and it's not just the year-on-year results which tally, but the month-on-ones month do too. In addition... The numbers for production are also plausibly consistent with the monthly movements which produced May's 3.3% year on year fall in exports. And that matters because remember, there's a big question mark hanging over May's claimed $62.9 billion trade surplus, owing to China's report that had an 18.2 billion trade surplus with the EU, of which 27.9 billion allegedly came from Italy alone. We attributed that as a fat finger error and it's left us wondering about China's export numbers for May. Today's data from the rest of the industrial economy goes some way towards quieting our scepticism. The other part of the Asian narrative today comes from May trade data for Indonesia and India. In both cases, the collapse in trade volumes is resulting in much improved trade balances. Indonesia's May trade balance climbed 1.87 billion year on year to a 2.09 billion surplus, despite the fact that exports fell 28.9% and were 1.7 standard deviations below trend, and imports fell 42.2% and were 2.1 below trend. And there's a similar story in India, where May's trade deficit shrank to just 3.13 billion down no less than 12.2 billion on May last year, despite the fact that exports fell 36.5% year-on-year and imports fell 51%. The only significant data from Europe today painted the other side of the story, with improvements in Asia's trade balances being answered by a sharp fall in the Eurozone's trade surplus. Before adjustments, April's trade balance Fell 12.5 billion euros year on year to a surplus of just 2.9 billion, with exports down 29.3% year on year, imports down 24.8%. After adjustments, after seasonal adjustments, the surplus in April shrank to just 1.2 billion, with exports down 24.6% month on month, imports down 13.3%. It is tempting to see this difference between Asia and Europe as reflecting of two different types of mercantilism. In Asia, the model is mercantilist in supporting export-led growth policies in which local companies are encouraged to test themselves against global competition and win. In Europe, the policy looks much more like import suppression in order to keep domestic companies protected. It seems that when trade volumes collapse, There's less damage damage done to trade balances of export-oriented economies than to import suppressing ones. I'm not sure why that should be, but that, at any rate, seems to be the experience so far. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And if you've got something out of it, please help spread the word about the bulletin. If you'd like to know more about cold water economics, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater.com at fastmail.com.